The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Down here twice, Chris, so we'll give it to him. You've heard it twice. You're the, yeah. uh, you know, what's, the, what's his name? Timmy, two times from Goodfellas? I'm going to get the papers, get the get papers. The papers. Get the papers, right. yeah. Pete, may, maybe the person who puts this together wouldn't write it down twice back to back. Oh, I, I couldn't hear the opening. Yeah, I'm glad you're giggling. We had some IFB issues, some technical issues, so I don't know what you're giggling about. Something about give me the papers, give me the papers. L- laughing at myself. Right, good. Laughing at Goodfellas, good. which is always a good thing to do. It all definitely these years is. later. And uh, laughing at the little dig I got in at Pete's during that whole sequence about, you know, maybe don't write it down twice. Oh, right. In the right, rundown. Right. Which I checked today, he did not do. So, Pete, good. thank you. Yeah. And you're not Ron Burgundy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think. But what's up, everybody? It's Chris Sims Unbutton, brought to you by Verizon. It's the Monday Recap Podcast. Chris Sims, Paulie Burmeister here. How you doing? What's up? You doing good? Doing well. Paulie yeah. had a good weekend. Well, uh, Notre Dame did not have a good weekend. No, they did not. But You're I, impartial, though. There you go. <laughs> On the home radio broadcast, I'm as impartial as I can be. Uh, Thursday night, though, was interesting because my, my normal radio partner, Ryan Harris, I think your old teammate, yeah. Denver Broncos, right. tested positive for COVID early in the week. Wasn't feeling well, so late in the week, decided he couldn't make the trip to call the ACC title game. I had a few hours where I thought I was going to call it by myself. Wow. So I'm thinking of these one-man mechanics. You know, how can I do this? I'm going to call the play, maybe sprinkle Break it down a little. A little bit of insight, but we uh, landed on our feet, got Joe Theismann in. Awesome. I I was with Joe T all weekend, which Oh, that's great. Then you you certainly didn't have to fill in. Didn't have to say a whole lot. Say a whole lot with Joe. (laughs) Joe is the man. I mean, Joe really is one of my favorite old-time quarterbacks. Uh, He did say – to, to tell you hello. For I hope sure. he did. Yeah. I, I really love Joe. We have a good time. I see him out in Lake Tahoe for the NBC Sports, you know, celebrity golf pro am out there. Have fun with him there, which is always cool. But even as a little kid, you know, the Giants, Washington, yeah. there was that rivalry. Uh, I got to meet him a few times as a young kid. He couldn't have been better to me. Noah's son. Um, so that's cool. And he lives Notre Dame. I mean, oh he gosh. is all yeah, yeah, over yeah. it all yeah. the time. He yes. used to text me at like <laughs> half times of games like, or, did you see this or right. what are they doing? So uh, I know he's on it, and that's cool. And, and kudos to him because it, Thursday night he found out he was going to do it. Right. It's one thing to know a little bit about your alma mater, but to have a thought for 15 seconds, some insight for three and a half hours after every play, I mean, that's doing a lot with 36 hours of prep. So yeah. he did a great job. And side note, cool for me, right. I grew up in the 80s with, with that game on at 4 o'clock, with Pat Summerall and John Madden talking about Phil Simms, Joe Theismann, yeah. or Ron Jaworski right. every single Sunday. And now in the last 15 years, I've gotten to know all those guys. Right. So I, I've never really lost that fandom part where it's, it, it's cool to hang out with Joe Theismann, get to know this guy yeah. that I was watching my whole childhood growing up. Sure. So just uh, It's uh, one more layer of fun to add to a good weekend. Okay, well, let me ask you one more question before we deep dive into yeah. this because it is NFL-related. Yes, 
What did Trevor Lawrence look like in person? He, he looked awesome. Yeah. He, he looked awesome. And I was telling you a little bit before, what I really like about watching him, yeah. it's not this catch and release bubble screen, inflated yards. NFL-type throws. NFL-type of reads and yeah. throws, intermediate. Right. He's throwing 20, 25 yards down the field with yeah. touch, driving the ball. So for Notre Dame fans, it wasn't a fun watch, but for quarterback junkie evaluation stuff, he looks to be the real deal, making yeah. NFL kind of reads and throws. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think he is. I mean, to me, he reminds me a lot of, really, Justin Herbert. I mean, yeah. I think it's the Similar. same player. Listen, I think if you put Justin Herbert in Clemson, you'd see a lot of the same results Clemson has had with Trevor Lawrence or anything. I'm not trying to take away anything right. from Trevor Lawrence. Right. I'm just trying to say, hey, Trevor Lawrence is really good, and I think he's like Justin Herbert, who I think everybody after this last weekend will go – Fine, I think finally everybody's arrived with two not? guys this weekend, Herbert and Josh Allen. I feel it, like everybody right? yeah. finally was like, okay, they're good. I give up trying to be a hater on it anymore. Let's move on and accept it. All right, <laughs> I, so that's good. I, I thought Lawrence was a little more Joe Burrow. Like, I think the Herbert thing is a right. compliment right. to him. Herbert throws it a little bit easier and more natural. Yes, I would agree. I thought it was more of a Burrow. I it know is where that, to go with it. He does have it. that nice move yeah. and yeah, just always makes yeah. a play, always accurate. I mean, yeah. yeah. And hopefully for the NFL and uh, maybe the Jaguars, now that they're number one, yeah. hopefully he plays like Burrow next year. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll see where it goes. But yeah. I, don't, I, don't, yeah, I don't see a lot of downside for him. I think he's going to be awesome. Right. All right, where do you want to start this? I think we ought to start with the heavyweight game of the weekend, right. AFC against the NFC, Chiefs against the Saints. Sure. Even though it was a fun watch, both quarterbacks were either a lot or a little bit lesser than yeah. what we've gotten used to. Sure. Let's start out, and it was the Chiefs beating the Saints 32-29. Let's start out with Drew Brees, who was only 15 out of 34. Yes. So rare for him. Right. Obviously still hurt with the ribs. Here's what he had to say after the game. I still have a little ways to go, I'll be honest. You know, um, I think there's – there's uh, there's some things that that you know I'm still still kind of working on, but um, but it is what it is. Are you 100 <laughs> percent? No. Man, not even close. What do you no. think watching that? Well, game? no, he was not. He's not even close. There, there's no doubt. I mean, listen, I don't know how he felt. You know, as far as just physically what he felt like, I doubt he's 100 percent there. And again. I don't care who you are. When you've missed six, seven weeks of football and you get thrown in against one of the best teams in football or the best team in football and a defense that yeah. can be aggressive and do some cool schematic things on that side of the ball, you know, it's, it's hard to feel comfortable in that type of you know, setting where you're in, even for a great like, like Drew Brees. You know, the game, just like we talk about, with like the young rookie quarterback where it, can, it speed up, speed, speeds up. Yeah. Hey, I, I know there's NFL legends who have been hurt and then they come back and the game is fast. It takes them a little while to settle in. So I don't know how he felt physically, but it didn't look like he was 100% physically. For sure. Definitely. With the way he moved, you know, the way he protected himself, I thought, with a few people around in the pocket. And then, of course, just the way he threw the football was all underwhelming. There's no doubt about that. And, you know, I just think, um, hey, what are you going to do if you're Sean Payton? I had this conversation with Tony Dungy last night. Like, what do you do? Because, you know, Taysom Hill was playing pretty good football. Yeah. He was not the reason they lost to the Philadelphia Eagles. But when Drew Brees tells you, hey, I want to play this week and I think I'm capable of playing, what are you supposed to do? And Tony Dungy said it right. He just goes, you listen to your ace. Yeah, you, know, you just you got to listen to your ace but and go, now, go down swinging with him. But now you probably have to lean on that relationship, too. About 15 years they've been together. At some point in the last 24 hours, don't you have the conversation with Sean leading it being like, okay, uh, I get it. That didn't go the way you thought it was going to. 
we're playing for keeps now. Like, should I play you again? Should I mean, is, is this what we can expect? Well, I don't think they can turn back now. I don't. I mean, I, I think it'll be a little peculiar to look like, okay, now it's, hey, we played them against the Chiefs, and now five days later we're playing the Vikings, and we're going to pull them out. Giants did it. You know, the Giants did do it. You're right. I, I think it's going to cause more problems than it's worth probably. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Drew Brees is going to one that's going to be like, of course not. Oh, I'm only 90%. Okay, coach, I'll listen to you. I'll sit out this game. Didn't look 90%. Although he, he, he looked a lot better at the end of the game. Yeah, sure, sure. Well, you're, but, 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 you know, all in all, I still think they're going to go forward with Drew Brees here, unless it's just unless he's totally unhealthy, unless he gets up this morning and goes, "Oh man, I don't know if I can throw, I don't know if I can torque my upper body." You know, th- those are the things they're going to have to figure out in the next day or two. Mm-hmm. But I would imagine, no matter what, if Drew Brees does play, he's going to look better than what he did the other day. He's just going to feel more comfortable. It's another week of practice. He got the jitters of, you know, getting real game action out of the way again. And he'll be a different guy either way. But the, 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 the fact of the matter was, didn't play well. And, and not only the throws. To me, the thing, one of the shocking things is the decision-making. For a guy as, I mean, the ultimate decision-maker, yeah. he had some moments in the game where you were like, am I watching That's, a raw no. rookie? Which one stood out the most to you? Well... I mean, really, probably the first throw of the game. The first throw of the game, the little play action on the left sideline yeah. there, it's cover two. They're running a, a little concept like in the, in, in the West Coast terminology, you call it Y sail. So it's a little play action fake. The outside guy's running the clear go or the clear post. And then the inside tight end's running a corner route. So they try to clear it out. At no point was that open. The corner was back there. The safety was over there. You know, one of the middle of the field droppers was there, and he just came out throwing it. But there was a number of throws like that through the game where I just went, he made a decision before the snap right. that I'm going here no matter what. And, of course, it almost backfired. It backfired one time. The interception? The interception, definitely. Yeah. The double clutching of the football, mm-hmm. and then the actual throw of the football. I mean, that ball hung in the air longer than yeah. Tom Brady's 50-yard <laughs> touchdown did in the game yesterday. Which we'll talk about. We will talk about. Than, than so that, that was, that was of course, like alarming just to see Breeze in that state because you don't see that very often. I'm thinking of alarming, and Pete right. wrote down this very good note here, 44% uh, for Breeze, lowest in a game since all the way back in 2006. I went back and looked, how often is this guy under 60%? One time in four seasons under 60%. I was going to say. rare this is. Yeah, it's rare. But same old thing here. Okay, and we've talked about this before. Obviously, Drew Brees was not at his best, so I don't want to be too you know, harsh and critical here. There was also no Michael Thomas, mm-hmm. which is a difference in this football game, and especially for Drew Brees, who likes to work the middle of the field in that 5- to 10-yard range where Michael Thomas is unstoppable. So that fits Drew Brees' game will make him better if he is on the field the next time if they play each other in the Super Bowl. But what we saw, too, what i got to give a lot of credit to, is the Kansas City defense. That's one of the big things we got to talk about. Spagnolo again, ability to game plan, take away, like a Belichick a little bit, the thing you do best, and then force you into a corner a little bit. And I what think, is it that they do best without Michael Thomas? Well, it's still throw it to the back out of the backfield, and a lot of the times with Drew Brees, who's ever in the slot, just you got to be aware of that guy. Whether it's Emmanuel Sanders or sometimes Jared Cook, you know, I would bet the numbers bear out that they play that guy a lot you know, man or zone coverage. You know, Drew's good at that, and the offense is very good at getting those type of people in those positions open. So, in a lot of big down and distances, it was double the slot, 
double the back out of the backfield. Sometimes it was Murray, sometimes it was Kamara on third down, but that was the big thing. And overall in the game, I would say the theme for Kansas City that I would take away without getting too XE and Owe here is they weren't going to let the run game beat them. Not that they were like everybody was at the line of scrimmage, mm -hmm. but it, things were condensed. Like Sorensen and Matthew, when they were in base defense, where they like they were playing safety, but they were like eight, nine yards deep, right? They weren't like, you know, you might see them against a big arm, high passing attack where they're 25 yards deep when they're playing cover two. No, they were like nine, 12 yards deep. They were ready to protect the middle of the field and not let him throw there. And then they were ready to react fast in the run game too to be extra bodies there. But once again, what we see too with the Chiefs defense, when you tell them they got to stop something, mm -hmm. man, do they rise to the occasion. It might not be one of the best defenses in football, but he's one of the best big-time defensive coordinators in football, and then they got, they got some dudes on the team that just rise to the occasion. I mean, the front, that Saints front is legit, and they held their own in the run game. And, of course, we're a pain in the butt, you know, pressuring the passer, too. But I just thought overall, Kansas City's defense was the most impressive thing I saw in the game. And that's something you've kind of pointed to throughout the season, that obviously they're led by the offense. That's where the stars are, the money, the most production. But this defense, it wasn't just yesterday. It's been pretty good or really good for, for a while. It does. Well, and it has, like, you know, what I always go back to is big game, you know, it's got a big game propensity to just show up and be its best at those moments. You know, I always go like, oh, you know, because people, people this week on a few radio things, will they be able to stop the Saints? And I just went, man, I don't, you got to watch this Chiefs team. You know, they're one of those teams. We didn't think they could stop Derrick Henry running the ball in the AFC Championship game. They stopped him. Mm -hmm. We didn't think they could stop Shanahan in the 49ers offense in the Super Bowl. They slowed him down. You know, they're, they're, they're very good that way. And that is because they're game plan specific. They got guys like Chris Jones and Frank Clark and Honey Badger who make plays at big times during the football game. And then they got a coach who's willing to think outside the box and take things away. And with the lack of speed at receiver with New Orleans, the, you know, the take away the middle of the field, double the back out of the backfield, doubles Emmanuel Sanders or Jared Cook if they were in the slot. They were going to make Breeze throw the ball outside into tight coverage. They were not afraid to get in the face of the Saints wide receivers. Mm -hmm. Saints don't have great speed there. So the Chiefs were comfortable in playing that matchup. That played in their hand, and uh, you know, obviously they won the football game. The other end with, with Spagnuolo and the Kansas City defense, they know that their offense is going to score at least 28 more times than not sure. going to be in the 30s. Sure. They can probably call a game and play a game in a different way. Definitely. There's no doubt. They have, the, they have a little bit of freedom there yeah. to, to be aggressive because it's like the old talk we had last year when they were dying the slow deaths. You know, it was like that's the last thing you want to do if Kansas City is die a slow death. You got nine zillion billion dollars on the offensive side of the ball. You don't want it on the sidelines. So it plays in to where we talk about complementary football, right? With really good football teams, Kansas City's might not be like the old traditional way of like defense and run the ball, but they have their way, which is pressure on offense, pressure on defense, and we're going to make plays, and you're going to buckle under all this pressure, and that works very nicely for their, their football team. Let's flip it over and talk about the offense. Yeah. And we're used to them hitting 30 or more. They mm -hmm. hit 32. We're yeah. used to them winning. But Mahomes at only 5.4 yards per attempt, lowest of his career. You take it one step further here for you, Chris, too. Under 10 yards per completion. That doesn't happen very often with him. So 
How did they hit the 30 mark? How did they win again when Mahomes was, was not quite at right, his best? Right, right. Well, you know, short field to start it off the interception. That helped out. Um, and I didn't watch this side of the film. Okay. So just to be totally transparent here, I'll give you a little more info on this side of the film either because I, I tried to watch everything. Saints defense is good, as we know. Yep. It's, it's arguably the best in football. It's certainly up there. And for a defense, you know, again, like Spagnola, Dennis Allen and Sean Payton, the way they coach the Saints defense, they're an outside-the-box, game-plan-specific type team as well. And I think I saw a lot of two-safety looks, right? That's why they ran the ball so well, and that's why they were patient with it. Mahomes and Andy Reid, we're going to, okay, you're going to play two safeties. We're going to run the ball. And a deep two safeties. A deep too, right? two, that's, there's, you might see what I mean? That's what I was talking about with like when they were, the deep two safeties for the Chiefs when they were playing Breeze was at nine or 10 yards. And these guys were they're at tw- 12, They're out of the screen yeah. at times. Right. They're 30 and 25 yards deep. Miami did it to them last week. Miami too. does it to them too, right. And so Kansas City showed great patience. There's no doubt about that. Their ability to run the ball. Again, they showed us another way where they don't have to win with Mahomes' right arm and, and all these bombs all over the place. They, ran, they won yesterday with their defense and their run game. And then, yes, Mahomes made a handful of plays. But I think it's encouraging in a lot of ways. What I am shit scared about, okay, mm. and this is why the Saints played this way with the two deep safeties, because they said our front four is going to kick the shit out of the Chiefs' offensive line. We're going to get to Mahomes' Every play, he drops back to pass. And I would say, I don't know, you tell me. And Pete, and I know he's in your ear, not in my ear today. Mm-hmm. I don't remember seeing Mahomes under pressure or get hit like that, like he did yesterday right. at any time in his career to this moment. I don't either. Yeah. So now, now looking ahead with, with the uh, kind of teams that the Chiefs are going to compare themselves to as right. they try to repeat what they did last year. Are there other teams that are out there on the horizon that can do that, that can play that kind of sure. cover two, a deep cover two, and just rush the four and get well, to them like that? Yes, there, there is. There definitely is. You know, now New Orleans, you know, it's, it, it's, it's the best run-stopping power defensive line in football. You know, and I think that's why they were content with going with, like, the two deep safeties. They just went, you're not a great running team. Our front four is really good. And this has been an issue for Kansas City. Like, I know I said this last week during the podcast. I, I, I guess it was the day Ahmed was here. But Pete would tell you where I went. I watched the Miami game, and I went, man, he's under pressure a lot. Mm-hmm. It's just he avoids it so much and then has a highlight reel throw off of it that we just wipe it out of our brain and go, that was awesome. Yeah. But you don't realize that, damn, really, the four to the last five times he's dropped back, he had to make somebody miss and do something. It changed the game yesterday. I don't think, you know, obviously he was uncomfortable. I don't think they could call plays aggressively down the field. That's why that spray chart was a little shorter. And he was 0 for 6 on throws 20 or yards more. I believe it because every time I feel like he made one of those throws too, he was getting crushed yeah. as he was throwing it. Right. You know? So there was that. And this is the other thing. I mean, have you ever seen more sprint outs in one game from a Did team? It quite a bit. I mean, they, he must have sprinted right and left on designed sprint outs at least 12 times in the game. And that is because Andy Reid knows his offensive line can't block anybody. Hmm. That's really become an issue. And, you know, as, to your question, because I've avoided it here for the last few minutes, I mean, Pittsburgh's the only front four in the AFC that, I, that is like that. They can do what New that Orleans That can do did. what New Orleans did. But I don't think Pittsburgh's as good at covering man-to-man hmm. 
as New Orleans is. New Orleans is sneaky good. When you get Lattimore and Janoris Jenkins and some of the rest of that group there, they can they can cover you man-to-man. So, so that's as stiff a test as they'll face until if, if they face the Saints again in the Super Bowl. I, I mean, yes, I think so. I think, you know, another team that I would look at you know, I think there's more te- there's more there's more teams in the NFC that match up with the Chiefs than there is the AFC. Oddly enough, I, that's the way I look Th- at that it. That is kind of odd because you look at the AFC lineup and all right. the teams kind of right beneath right beneath Kansas City's number one seed. And you're like, whoa, there's a lot of good squads there. I just look at it like, and we, I know we didn't mean to go here, but we're going to go here anyways. Like Green Bay, yeah, got a pretty good pass rush, okay, and they got pretty good corners. I mean, Jair Alexander is in the top five corners in football combo. Kevin King's awesome. And then, of course, we know Rodgers and them. They should be able to make plays and throw the ball in Kansas City, too. Right. So I look at them as being one of the better matchups for Kansas City as far as a team that can beat them. Seattle the same way. I look at Seattle the same way. You know, again, they might be able to pressure. They're going to let up some big plays, too. Wouldn't I get have said that. that a month ago. I wouldn't have said that a month ago. Yeah. But that's changed the way they've played. And the other team... And the, I mean, the NFC, the Rams and Tampa, I think, actually match up well against Kansas City, too. Are, are, are you just going through the NFC, or are you thinking about the AFC, too, and just these teams in the NFC are better at matching up against Kansas City? I, 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 really, I haven't heard no. I haven't heard Buffalo, I haven't no. heard Cleveland. Buffalo, heard Buffalo is close, too. Buffalo, I think, when I look at it, really, I know people might think I'm crazy. I think Buffalo might match up better with Kansas City than anybody. The way their defense is playing right now, yeah. and I think – you know, the way Josh Allen and that offense is playing right now, you know, hey, it, it's not hard to say Buffalo's the second-best team in the AFC. But Tennessee. They're right there with them, mm-hmm. yes. You know, it's, it's, it's a close one between those football teams. But Buffalo and Tennessee, they do have offensive firepower. I don't know. You've got me everywhere now. I, I know. Either I know. way, I'm Kansas just... City's the king of the hill. Yep. We yes, know they that. They're the number one seed. Um, but, you know, they're not perfect. They're not. Okay. And there are some teams that match up well with them. But Pete hasn't said this yet, but I've kind of yeah. I've, I've, I've driven this down I rambled road. there. I, I ended up there. Right. There's more teams than I think that match I, up with them better than I'm giving it credit for, maybe. On this, uh, Pete has race for number one seed kind of uh, version here. Yeah. As we're going to hit a bunch, of, a bunch of different games. I'm going to get it back to the next game. Packers beat the Panthers 24-16. So you have the Chiefs number one seed in the AFC. Green Bay number one now in the NFC. And Steve Kornacki, who, who killed it once again. Yeah, he's last amazing. Night. He's awesome. Yeah. I, I'd love tuning in to listen to all you guys. But, man, he's a, I, I think he's my number one reason to tune in now. So he has Green Bay now 76% chance to hang on to that number one seed with New Orleans losing. They're down to an 8% chance with that one loss now of getting that top seed. I, I mean, because the Packers have to lose two, so that's why they're down, right. because they have the tiebreaker with the Saints, right? So that's the big issue there for them as a football. But the Packers are not out of the woods by any stretch What'd of the imagination. What did you think of Green Bay this weekend? Well, Green Bay, it was... 24-16, win over Carolina. Underwhelming. Yeah. Underwhelming game. You know, run game, offense looked efficient the first half. Second half, it's like... You know, they took the foot off the gas pedal, didn't really try to do anything aggressive. You know, couldn't get the run game going really in the second half either. You know, really, was they, they dodged a bullet, in my opinion. They did. I mean, if, if, if Teddy Bridgewater doesn't fumble the right, ball on right. the goal line quarterback sneak, I just wonder how that game is going to go. So there's, there's two ways right. at, at this point of the season. I think you yeah. can tie everything into how you feel about them long term, sure. especially at the number one seed. You either say, going to have to win some games like this, Definitely. Found a way to win. No doubt. Don't worry about it. Right. Or you're like, wait a second. 
they didn't look like the number one seed for a lot of that game. I'm concerned. No, uh, well, they're going to have moments like that because I don't know if there's any one part of their team that's truly dominant. Like, mm -hmm. I, I don't sit here and just go. Besides Rodgers. Besides Rodgers, right. I don't know if there's anything else. Though. I don't go like, oh, one of the best O-lines in football or, oh, one of the best D-lines in football. You know, there's no really group. I like their corners like we talked yeah. about, but okay, that's not a group. We're not talking the whole secondary. So uh, I think you're going to have in, you know, little moments like that with Green Bay. You know, and, and Carolina, Carolina waited them out. They just basically said, we're going to play coverage, and we don't think you'll be patient enough and run the football well enough consistently to hurt us. And they really were kind of right you know, in a lot of ways, but they kind of just messed it up down the stretch. But I think here, the other thing, too, that I want to hit on that I liked with what the Green Bay did, I really liked that Aaron Rodgers ran the ball that much. And to me, it showed me that he doesn't care about the MVP. Mm -hmm. He wasn't worried about his stats. Yeah. He kept going, you're going to play two deep safeties. I'm going to run the ball. I'm not going to just throw the ball because – Right now, my stats don't look that cool. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know if you got that from Aaron Rodgers four or five years ago. Mm. That's that's where I thought that was like a very encouraging sign of the huh. football game in general. But yes, not a dominant effort by their football team. Uh, but it's Saturday night, maybe asleep at the wheel a little with Carolina coming into town and not that motivated. Rodgers called it one of those disappointing wins. Yeah, good problem to have. Yeah, right. It, it just was lackluster. It really was. All right, uh, points bet. Let's check out this graphic here. Most regular season receiving yards provided by our points bet at Sportsbook friends here. And we're thinking about this because of Devontae Adams. He's far down the list. But look at all these names chasing the receiving title. You have Hopkins on top. Kelsey's six yards behind. Diggs is right there. Tyreek Hill has a shot. Metcalf has a shot. Who do you like? Oof. Man, that is some list. I mean, they're, they're studs. Well, you know, the, the one guy that I think, I mean, Kelsey and Diggs are hard for me not to like those two guys. You know, their offenses just know how to feed them the ball at all times. Plus, they're both the, like, as awesome as Tyree Kill is, there's no disrespect to him. I feel like Kelsey is more of the, when Mahomes is in trouble, he looks for Kelsey. Mm. Nobody's open or I'm scrambling. He goes to Kelsey. And I feel like Josh Allen has that with Stephon Diggs. So right. let alone, hey, the offense – you know, it's got a formula to use each guy specifically in a lot of ways. Um, the quarterback likes throwing to those guys in a lot of ways, too, to where I, I favor them. But I think the big thing is I probably favor uh, Kelsey down the stretch here just because Buffalo's got to play New England and then Miami, who are, of course, really awesome in the secondary, really good defenses as far as pass defense is concerned. Right. And I would have a hard time thinking Diggs goes off on them. Really? I, I would have a hard time thinking he goes off. They might go off as an offense, mm -hmm. but I don't think like either one of those two coaches with the talent they have in the secondary that they're going to let Diggs go off on like, you know, games of 10 receptions, 140 yards here the last right. two games of the year. Well, the, the name we saw at the top of the list, DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. Uh, there's a reason we kind of showed that. We're leading into Cardinals and the Eagles, but let's first take a listen to one of your favorite songs. Great way to segue. Damn okay. Damn. See if Pete's on it. Damn. Yes. I'm okay. Damn. I'm okay. Yeah, no, I mean, yes. I'm okay. The legal gambling. I know you can't hear it, but oh, I'm, I'm enjoying baby. it. Good. I yeah, am I'm Chris glad you are. Sims. It is weird, okay. actually, not having it in my ears. Damn. Sure. Okay. 
Okay, as promised, DeAndre Hopkins gets us into the Cardinals knocking off the Eagles 33-26. Damn okay, of course, we're starting out with Kyler Murray, 435 yards of total offense, passing and running. First off, must be healthy. Yeah, like, like second, it. whatever, the shoulder that got hurt up in New England or whatever, that must be healthy. I'll tell you the other thing that jumped out to me. The ball hasn't popped out of his hand like that in a long time. I'm, I'm, I know I, I'm going to try to find a way to ask him after the season's over, did you have elbow tendonitis during mm-hmm. the year? Because, you know, now I'm starting to see this again from his arm where it's flexed here. I'm telling you, for a number of weeks, he, would, he was throwing like this, like he didn't want to put any pressure on his elbow. Either way, he threw the ball phenomenal yesterday. But you know where it all started? It all started with Cliff Kingsbury. I'm telling you, it was one of their better – offensive game plans all year. Would you like? Well, we've talked about, like, offensive diversity with them, like the two and three tight end sets, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't want to just see, like, sprinkled in, like, oh, here was two tight ends in, and now we're going to four wides for the next 30 plays. And now here's two tight ends, and then we're going to four wides for the next 10 plays. They had some sustained drives and moments of doing some different things on offense where I went, way to go, Arizona. Like, you're going to be a lot tougher to defend if you start making teams game plan for all of these other formations and personnel sets. But, you know, more than that, I thought I saw more of a variety in formations, personnel. They had a lot of play action schemes that were married to the run where, hey, we're running the ball, the backside guard pulled, now we're going to fake that run, and the backside guard is still going to pull. Was he under center at all? He was under center a little bit. There was definitely a handful of snaps of that. So that is what I like to see. You know, the other thing they did is they kept the tight end in the block a few times and let him just sit back there and feel comfortable so he can go, all right, I know I'm small, but who gives a damn? I got people blocking for me, and now I can sit here and wait for a 20 or 30-yard throw down the football field. So that was nice to see. But either way, I thought just the game plan itself, and and people need to go back there and check too. Saw a lot of like pre-snap, fake the jet sweeps, you know, then drop back to pass, do that stuff. So just some little schematical advantages opened up their offense. And I think that was the biggest thing I took away from the game, let alone Kyler Murray looked better. And then what happened because of that? DeAndre Hopkins looked better because now he's not in the spread out here, you know, with one other receiver in a two-by-two set where, hey, you're limited in how many different combinations you can do with two guys out here. Now you move him around and he's running across and he's running a corner post and he's doing all these other things. He becomes a lot harder to figure out where he's going and where the ball is going to go to him at. And I thought that was a big thing for their football team. So now at 8-6 and six with Kyler Murray clearly feeling well throwing the football. They, they, yeah. they found something. What's your point out here? How big of an issue are they? How big of a concern are they for the NFC now that they're 8-6? and six? And that they turn the corner a little bit. I, I mean, if they can play like this, like if their offense can show this diversity, you know, and, and what you saw yesterday, it opened up the run game a little bit, you know, but, but uh, it'll make me think differently of them. I got done yesterday, and I wasn't sure how they went about their game totally, right? I knew it was more success, you know, successful, and I'm watching and all that. But I, I came away yesterday going, if the Bears and Cardinals play, I mean, the Bears are going to be the seventh seed in the playoffs. And I know we're going to hit on the Bears in a minute here, but the, that showing made me feel better about the Cardinals. Now, the other thing with the Cardinals and why they need to continue to play with these, you know, two tight end sets and things like that. Listen, their tight ends are good. Dan Arnold is 
becoming one of the better pass-catching tight ends in football. You can't take him off the field. Mm. That's stupid to me to just go four wide receiver sets. You know, so he's good at that. We, I saw a few Lamar Jackson design type runs for Kyler Murray. Okay, that was great. But I think when they get their best 12 or best 11 players on the field sometimes, I think it's their 12 personnel sometimes when I go, you know, Arnold's on the field and Max Williams is on the field. The other tight end's not bad either. But then, you know, Christian Kirk with DeAndre Hopkins and Chase Edmonds or Drake in the backfield, man, that's a lot to defend. The biggest thing is that we talk about all the time. The fact that they changed formations, ran the ball, play action pass, you know, it made the field bigger. Right. It made the Eagles have to defend way more than, oh, it's going to be shotgun and it's going to be a quick throw there and a quick throw there and a quick throw there. And then, oh, he's going to ride him and he's going to run right there. And then, oh, if we stop too much, he'll fake that and throw the slant there. That's all you had to worry about with their yeah. offense. Now there was a lot of moving parts to where a defense isn't going to feel so comfortable. So Kyler Murray responds really well to what Kingsbury did. 27 out of 36, 406, three touchdowns passing and uh, one rushing. Other side, yeah. Jalen Hurts, also over 400 yards of total offense, four touchdowns. One question here from Twitter from Luciano. I'm going to try this one more Luciano. time. Luciano. Is, is it a hard It's a scene? Luciano. Yes, okay. it is. Yep. North Jersey. Yes, Thank exactly. Right. <laughs> I have a Lu- nephew named Luciano. Luciano Donoso, not Luciano Sims. Damn okay, Jalen Hurts moving the ball and making plays all game long. Four touchdown, just scratching the surface. I'm intrigued to know where you see room for improvement on his game considering NFL defenses will adjust yeah. sooner rather than later. Well, it's all about his throwing that has to improve. And not that it's bad. It's not that it's bad, but it's just where – that's going to improve just to where we get to that game where, okay, a team can contain him from running and matches up well with them to where, oh, man, some of our stuff's not working today. Now can you pick us apart throwing the football? You know, but the throwing has still been very good. You know, th- th- that's the big thing. And, you know, the one thing where I'll say, like, self-scout thyself, mm-hmm. where maybe, you know, I'll say, like, Jalen Hurts has been better than what I expected. That's right. for sure. You know, I think the big thing you got to take into account with some of these guys like Jalen Hurts all right, not some of these because there's not a lot of guys like Jalen Hurts. But when you can run the way you can run like he can, it, it, you don't have to be as high level a thrower as maybe I'd like you to be as far as a first-round quarterback. You know, because the defense simplifies because they're worried about your run and your running ability. And now, oh, it's one-on-one. Hey, there's a, I'm going to throw a go route or a back shoulder or a slant. And you don't have to always be like, Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes to throw those type of throws. But the big thing is just the same as last week. Like, there's no negative plays. You know, he doesn't take bad sacks or throw stupid interceptions. And he keeps them in always manageable situations, let alone he makes some plays with his legs and his arm every game. The offense around him looks like it has a lot more life, a lot more belief as well. And his arm strength isn't any different than you thought. No, no, not really. Is it the – and I like how you point out the defenses have to play him in a way that yeah. there's some openings there that there wouldn't sure. be if he didn't but, run but so they're, well. But they're open because of him. Exactly. So that's where we got to give he, him credit. He's created, absolutely. Right. He, he's created that. Credit right. goes to him. Right. So if the arm is still – I mean, it's, it's, it's not great like yeah. I mentioned. Is it the anticipation or the decision-making? Like what other part of him is a little better than maybe you thought? Well, I think um, – you know, I actually think the, the control of him – just how he controls the football is better than I thought. You know, there was too many throws at Oklahoma where I just went, what? Like, you can't miss that like right. that. Or people would be wide open, 
and he just didn't want to throw it because he didn't trust it, and he just went, I feel better about running. Let yeah. me run, right? So that's what – but, but like, controlling the football has been – it's been spot on. Accuracy. Very accurate. Yeah. I mean, he's Look really good. put the ball wherever he's wanted to put it. Now if it's going to be about speeding it up, the nuances of accuracy, right? Like, okay, yeah, you know, you're going to be able to hit it low and away when you need to and do right. all those. But either way, that's been really good. And just getting the ball out of his hand quicker – is going to be a thing for him, too. You know, it's just a little bit of a long, deliberate motion. But he can improve right. that. And he's showing that he's a natural thrower and a natural quarterback and a natural leader. And, you know, he's done this. The Eagles, Doug Peterson, you know, they deserve a little of the praise and blame. If they get the praise. Yeah, Jalen Hurts are doing some good things. But they get the blame, I want to say, a little bit for the Carson Wentz thing because, you know, the Carson Wentz, like to what you said, there's no identity when he's the quarterback. Yeah. It's just like, oh, he's talented. We're just going to let him in the shotgun and he can throw wherever he wants every play. All right, well, that's a crappy way to run your offense or your team. Right. Now they have a little bit of an identity. And it's over. Yeah. It's over. Like, Carson Wentz needs to get out of Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. It's done. I don't know any other way to say it. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a, a no-win situation for him. Right. It's over, and Rest Philadelphia could be partly to blame here. Yeah. Yeah. Because you drafted a quarterback in the second round mm-hmm. from school that has like, like you know, a true following: Oklahoma, Alabama. These people, they're, they're they're clamoring for their guys to always be there. Yeah. This is the normal fan. All they know is they've seen Jalen Hurts at Alabama and Oklahoma, and he won. So they want him in. I I haven't really paid attention to the details. I don't know how he throws the ball, but when he was there, he won. So he should be the quarterback of our team. Yeah. Carson Wentz needs to force his way out of Philadelphia. That that was the beginning of the end last spring then. I mean, drafting drafting this kind of player in the second round. Pretty much. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it was. It was unnecessary pressure to put on a guy who already had unnecessary pressure on him. He did. I mean, so you gave him more pressure. Yeah. All right. Then did nothing to help him and the football team for him to succeed. Mm-hmm. And now we are here we are. And if I'm Carson Wentz. You would want to leave. Oh, I'm out. Yeah. The fans have given up on me. The organization, I don't, you know, whether they, what they intended to do with Jalen Hurts or not, whether mm-hmm. they want him to be a weapon or whatever, either way you got him and you've caused an issue. Right. So if I'm Carson Wentz, I just go, you, yeah. you got him. You draft him in the second round, you got him. Trade me. I'm out of here. When I think about Carson Wentz. I would think about this feeling, even, and I did have this feeling, even yeah. before the whole Jalen Hurts thing happened, because to be the guy, you're supposed to be the man and watch somebody else come in and lead your team to a Super Bowl, like that, that has to weigh so heavy on you. Like It happened to your dad. Yeah. He got hurt. But your dad already had an MVP Super right. Bowl performance right. under his belt. Right. So as difficult as that was, he – it's a little bit different. It is different. You're so, right. So, I mean, like, the, the moment they won that Super Bowl, the, there might have been part of Carson Wentz It was like, maybe it'd be good to leave anyway. Yeah. I mean, you have to live with that for the rest of your career. I, no, there's no doubt. I've had a, some people on radio ask me last week, well, Aaron Rodgers wasn't affected by Jordan Love. And I went, well, come on. It's Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. First off, people don't even say the Green Bay Packers we are coming to town. Too. They go, Aaron Rodgers yeah. and the Green Bay Packers are coming to town. Right. So, I mean, he's already legends. Yeah. He knows he's set in stone in Green Bay, let alone he got to watch a quarterback who nobody knows is a lightning rod and is very raw. So after about the third day of practice, he was like, I'm the starter here for a while. This guy's not going to be ready. Right. They drafted a folk hero 
from Oklahoma and Alabama, the Philadelphia Eagles. Mm-hmm. So this is what you get when your quarterback At falters. least he's playing well. At he's, least he's giving him promise. It's awesome for him. I'm yeah. really excited for him. Um, but for Carson Wentz, yeah, to me, the move now is get out of town. Get out of town. And the other thing is make it be known. Lessen your, your trade value. Mm-hmm. And also what I want to say to that, too, is just like, I, I mean, how really great is his trade value going to be anyways? I just I, I really wonder that. What do you think? Well, just because the way he played, the the aura around him in that situation. If I start the bidding at a third rounder. I mean, it might be something like that. It might be. I don't think it's going to be anything crazy high because they're going to be like, they're going to be like, well, teams are going to be like, you have your starting quarterback. You're not playing Carson Wentz. Oh, you want to pay him $30 million to sit on the bench? Oh, oh, okay. Oh, that. They're, they're going to be stuck in a corner now. So because of that lack of leverage, would a third be too high? Lack of leverage, and then also teams are going to look at it and go, wait, Carson Wentz played like crap. I don't right. want to – I don't. he's not worth a third round. Or, yeah. So it might be a team that really knows him and wants him, like maybe a Frank Reich or something like that, that would give that away. I keep seeing Philadelphia but, on the list of the Carson Wentz, maybe he ends up here. Phillip Rivers is playing really well. Oh, you mean uh, the Colts? Yeah, Colts. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah well, uh, yeah, I just think people wonder if it's going to be Phillip Rivers one-and-done type of thing yeah. with the Colts. I'm sorry, yeah, I, yeah, I keep yeah. seeing Indy on the list. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, Phillip Rivers is – I just think the connection of Frank Reich being there when they drafted Carson Wentz, Phillip Rivers the probably in the last year sure. or two, yeah. right, to where they think that could be a possibility. Yeah. I get the connecting of the dots there. But sure. I know you're right. You don't want to push Phillip Rivers out the door yet. Man, oh, man. Yeah. Okay. Um, but – the bottom line, awesome for Jalen Hurts yeah, and for awesome him. for Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray because yep. that excited me. You know, there was a it was it was 19 to 14. Let me just run you through these yeah. two plays. It was 12 personnel, and he's in the shotgun, and he ran a fake speed sweep to DeAndre Hopkins mm-hmm. and hit Arnold on a deep corner route. Then the next play, they had three receivers to the right, the back was to the right, and it was actually two tight ends, a receiver to the right. One receiver to the left. He fakes the toss to the back, and they run three verticals up the field. He hits Arnold down the middle for a grip. But that's all I'm saying. Just a few looks and schemes and personnel sets, and all of a sudden the defense can't hunker in and go, I know what they're going to do here. I know what they like to do in this set. I like to know in this personnel. And now you're going, I don't know what the hell they're going to do. And I hope we can tackle this freaky quarterback in the meantime too. So that was cool to see. Around any corner. Within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox, because Clorox delivers a powerful clean 
every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well... Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Those are some very worthy demo caves. We have a couple more to get to. Let's go to the Bears win over the Vikings, 33-27. Bears are now 7-7. Seven seven, Bears! In a row. David Montgomery, 32 carries, buck 46. Killing it, killing it, killing it. It just shows you when your coach then goes, wait, what is my team good at? Instead of, hey, team, do what I want to do. Yeah. I, know, I know you guys might not fit, but I want to do this. You know, it, it's just it's working for everybody. You know, I heard Matt Nagy, he talked about, hey, the offensive line, they've solidified that. There's no doubt that's been better. But I still think it's the attitude of the football team. Your, David Montgomery is getting to play a true down-the-hill-behind-the-quarterback you know, type of running now. It's not in the shotgun where we talked about where it's a step or, you know, sideways first. He gets to come downhill. He's got great quickness and shiftiness for a big guy, and he's got great vision. So he's perfect for running downhill in a zone scheme and, oh, wait, is the cutback lane there? Or should I just go forward and try to make a guy miss here? He's awesome with that. It's the biggest transformation of all offense I've seen in football at this point of the year, you know, and three weeks in a row, it's been really good. I know. But they've know. changed the way they play. So this got out of this shotgun 11 personnel bull crap to now they're another team where I go, your best starting 11 is when Cole Komet, Jimmy Graham, Mooney, and Robinson, Allen Robinson are on the field, and then Montgomery at tailback. Mm. That's the, their best unit. So why would you not do that more? And it's the best for Trubisky to play this way. Paul, they had the, the run numbers are good, mm-hmm. but where it's amazing in the NFL right now, the, the run numbers are good because they just came out in the game and ran boots and play actions to start. And they just said, you're going to defend this so much that we're going to open up the run with it. Yeah. It was really backwards how they did it, but that's what they did. And Trubisky is phenomenal playing that style of football. And that style kind of is a supplement to the ground game. Montgomery, 32 carries. Trubisky, 21 attempts. I mean, that, that is... Perfect. If, if you're Matt Nagy on Saturday night and you get handed that, you'd be like, yes, I'll sign up for that formula every Sunday forever. They, that's the way it yes. is. Yes. And Trubisky's responding, too. I mean, the last couple games, over 70%. What I really like, he's, he's over 12 yards per completion. Making plays and Usually making aggressive when throws. he's making completions, he's not getting that much out yeah. of him. But the last month, you can't say that. No, you cannot at all. And, I, again, I think that's because they're underneath the center, the play actions, the boots, all of that are all marrying together, and he's coming out, and okay, right, I got some room and some separation and pass protection, and he's not a, like, surgical, let me go through the reads of the offense, one to two to three to four. He's not Drew Brees or anything like that. But if you just go, hey, look at one and look at two, he's pretty damn good, and he's aggressive to where he doesn't want a whole lot of room to throw it in there. So that's where it's really worked, and it's really worked well for him. And it's, I mean – Another team, just like we talked about, again, where I just go, you know, there, there was even some improvements on what they did last week. They had the whole speed sweep thing going with Mooney. They really did, like, what Minnesota and the Rams do to everybody. The Bears have become. 
Inside, outside zone, boots, speed sweeps, fake the boot, fake the speed, uh, speed sweep, boot out, hit the guy I just faked the speed sweep to in the flat. Yeah. I mean, they're doing all that stuff. It just shows you. Paul, this is the way the NFL's going. It's going this way. You know how like five, six years ago we were going spread, 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 yeah. spread. Well, the Seattle scheme kind of ruined the spread because that was eight guys at the line of scrimmage. That's what happened to Peyton Manning in the Super Bowl against them. Right. You know, oh, all the pick plays and bubble screens. Oh, shit, Cam Chancellor and Earl Thomas are down. I can't get any of those plays to go. So that started to end the spread offense. And the way defenses, I really think the next thing we're seeing, a transformation of football right now where it's going old school. The, all the good off, most of the good offenses, except for a few, it's all about run and play action pass and boots. Run and play action pass and boots. With the amount of freaky fast safeties and linebackers and pass rushers defenses have in the NFL right now, this is the next. This is offense's next move to combat it. And I think you're going to continue to see this because you're seeing you don't even have to be a good run team and play action boots. Right. Open. Still works. I know. It's still open. I know. And. I think that's going to be the next phase here to, the, to where offenses are going to do that and then defenses are going to have to go, all right, we got to get big up front again yeah. and start doing that right. so then we don't have to put as many people into the run-stopping basket and we can start stop boots and play actions. It's just a funny little that note I thought theory, of. And the people would always say, well, you can't run play action. Or you're not running the ball well, so the linebackers aren't going to bite. Bull crap. Right? Bull crap. If you have a quarterback who can keep it himself, who comes out and shows run, they're going to respect it if you're the worst team in the in the league running or the best. You're going to respect right? it totally until you in get in the a, moment. You're going to think, oh, run. right, yeah. Until you get a D line that you just go is so dominant that they can start telling linebackers, hey, slow play, yeah. slow play the run. You got to make sure you actually see the running back running with the ball before you go there because we're going to, yeah. you know, that's what like the you know you had some 80s and 90s great defenses back in the day. That's what they would tell their linebackers when they played a really good run team. You know, it'd just be interesting to see if the, the league goes that way. So thinking of the Bears now, 7-7, seven and seven, two wins in a row. We have this question from Yard of War. Yeah. I like how the Bears' offense is coming along. Definitely. Do they surprise some teams if they get to the playoffs? I, I think they could. I do. Um, they've changed my thought of them. You know, right now, let's just say if they got in at, number, at the number seven seed, they'd have to play New Orleans as it sits right now. You know, I, yeah, I don't like their chances to beat New Orleans, but with that defense and Trubisky and them being efficient on that side of the ball, mm-hmm. man, I mean, you make one mistake playing the Bears and you could see, be sitting there going, oh, no, we're in a game here and it's going to come down to the end. You know, I don't love them. No, I think if I look here at total, and still, if you put them in the playoffs right now, I think, okay, the only team I would say they're better than is Washington. Other than that, I'm not going to take them over Tampa, the Rams, Seattle, New Orleans, or, or Green Bay. I think that's a good reality check on all the praise for the Bears. Yeah. People are thinking, oh, maybe postseason. Right. And like, okay. Yeah, let's not go crazy. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yep. Uh, Pete, I think we also want to show this uh, full screen of the, of the stars in the run game there. Montgomery and Dalvin Cook and the results. Pete says stand by. Yeah, but, the, you know, to yeah. that point, like, you know. There we go. I mean, big I mean, time, big time production there because Cook was 24 for 132. Big time. Yeah. I mean, it, it really. It, this game became a shootout. I mean, you're sitting there it's going, a fun one to watch. "This is going to yeah. be Bears and Vikings, you know, NFC North defensive showdown." And all of a sudden, we got to like the second quarter, and you're like, "Whoa!" I yeah. mean, both teams are going up and down the field on each other. Uh, Cook is phenomenal. He really is. Vikings slipped. Yeah, but they're one of those teams too, just like the Bears. It's it's play actions, boots. It's yeah. the same type of formula. Um, but good for the Bears. Trubisky and company, you know, play, playing really well. You know what wasn't a shootout last night? 
Giants, Browns. Cleveland wins 20 to 6. Expected they would win. Baker Mayfield just puts together good performance after good performance. This is a real pattern the last month and a half. He's on fire. I mean, it's another guy I think is just, you know, comfortable with how the game's being played. And not only comfortable within the offense and like, hey, I know what I'm supposed to do, but like, you know, when you're a quarterback with a new coach, yeah, listen, you're learning a new plays and an offense and all that. You're also listen, learning like a, a second, you know, intuitive language by what your coach is calling in certain situations and why. And that, I think, too, is helps out. I heard, I heard Arians and Brady talking about this yesterday a little bit. And I think it holds true with Cleveland, too. Because, you know, I had these with, with, with John Gruden. Hey, if it's second and six and I call this play, I'm thinking I'm going to get them in this defense and we're going to take a shot downfield. Now, listen, you got to save me. If the shot's not there, then I just want you to go to the back in the flat or throw it away and we'll play another down. But it's like that. There's the, the learning of, wait, oh, coach is calling this play. Okay, it's I like this play. But knowing the why. Yeah. Exactly right. right. Knowing the why and within that, now you know why or when to take a chance or what to do. And you start to feel comfortable because you go, man, I had this conversation with coach just this week. And he told me what he was thinking when this play call. So now you can go out and just play. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, a little bit of just a nuanced comfort level. And you're just seeing with – you know, again, they're running the ball. They're making life simple on him to where it's not a lot of reading of the field. But now he's gotten so comfortable with the play actions and the boots. Like last night, we start to see, whoa, they got in shotgun. He's just feeling comfortable now. Now he can hit everybody. Right. And he's playing really awesome football. Remind me of a conversation that, that we had with Ian Book, the uh, Notre Dame quarterback yeah. earlier this season. Right. All kinds of experience, three-year starter. Uh, we asked him way early in the season, what's your number one goal this year? And he surprised me. He said, I want to hear the play call from offensive coordinator Tommy Reese, and as soon as I hear it, I want to know exactly why he called it. I want yeah. that thought with every right. play. And they, he said they achieved that late in the season, but it's not just an NFL thing, it's a college thing. That When you get that play caller quarterback, cliche same page thing, really going on every play, I mean, and they have that now in Cleveland. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that is gold. It is gold. I mean, with him throwing the ball like that, you know, the tight ends and receivers they have, you know, the combination of Stefanski and then Chad O'Shea, who's got some New England pass schemes he can add into it, you know, that's, they're, they're a legit offense. Yes. You know, and yeah. again, it's another offense where we go, one of the better offenses of football, it's all about run, play, action, boots. Multiple tight ends. It's multiple yeah. tight ends. I mean, you start to really look at it and you just take away, like, the Chiefs and maybe the Bills and the Cardinals, everybody else – is running the run the ball, boots and play action. Yeah. Tennessee Titans is the number two offense in football. We know what they do. I think they might be, for points, they might be one. They're tied, I think, at top. They're both at 31.1, them and the Chiefs. Uh, so I got it right here in front of me. Don't question me. Uh, but <laughs> I was enhancing. You know, but then the Titans, the Packers, the Vikings, yeah. you know, the Rams, you know, the Browns, these are all teams that are in the top ten in offenses who run the ball, play action, boots. Yep. I mean, that's what they want to do. Uh, but that, that, was, that was awesome last night. And I will say I'm mad that the Giants didn't kick the two field goals early on. Mm. I'm, I'm a traditional guy. Kick the field goals. This was going to be a defensive battle. At no point did I think this was going to be a 37-35 shootout. Right. 
I would like to have seen the two field goals and you know just gain the early lead and confidence and go from there. But either way, good job by the Browns. Staying uh, offensively here with the damn okay. Got to give a shout out to Savan Ahmed. The Dolphins beat the Patriots 22 to 12. They outrush him 250 to 117, which would always be good. But this 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 was a team that had the worst yards per attempt in the NFL before yesterday. It's like I know. I just I, I picked Miami to win in a close football game. Mm-hmm. Not because I thought they were going to run the football or do right. that, though. I really was going, yeah, their defense will probably score a touchdown. And it'll just, they'll win some ugly 13 to 10, 16 to 13 type football Sounds game. right, yeah. But I give them credit for one, because they did something that they're not necessarily great at. Mm. But they looked at it and said, wait, this team we're playing is great at stopping passes and boots and one-on-one balls that we've seen Tua do. And they had the top five pass catchers out. And they had them out. Yep. So, wait, they're not a great run-stopping team. Let's just try to take advantage of, of that aspect. And, man, I mean, it, it wasn't, like, overly complicated what they did. It was inside-outside zone. It was, like, weak-side run with the strong-side guard pulling and then the strong-side tight end pulling as well so coming off the weak side the big run you saw by Matt Breida in the fourth quarter you know there was a big run by uh Ahmed at the start of the third quarter those were double pullers going to the weak side where they got the Patriots on the edge and the Patriots had more trouble setting the edge this year than they have in the 20 years of Bill Belichick's career in New England but you know you just be the Dolphins play defense run the football you know, two is smart and doesn't make any bad mistakes. I know he made the one in this one, but for the most part, he plays a pretty clean football game week to week. 20 for 26. They're going to be a pain in the butt. Yeah. You know, he makes a scramble run for a touchdown. That was a nice play. Hey, the interception that Tua threw in the end zone. Listen, the guy was open originally if he went there from number one. He looked down the middle, got some pressure, moved up the pocket, and then went there late, and it was man-to-man coverage. You can't go late into the flat. You know that. They, right. they teach you that in high school. And that was really the only bad play he had of the day. But, yeah, the run game, Flores, the attitude he's given the Dolphins is pretty awesome. One more point about Savan Ahmed. He, I heard this from Mike Florio last night on FNIA. He said his grandmother's sick in the hospital, promised he'd get her 100 yards and give her the game ball. So pretty cool he came through on that. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, he's talk about getting your chance and running with it. He's gotten a chance through injuries there in, in Miami, and he is kicking butt. I mean, he's really been really good. But – you know, I, I just I give the Dolphins a lot of credit just for what they did. I mean, even on their their first touchdown drive to go up seven six, they threw the ball one time. It right. was a nine play seventy two yard drive. He threw a curl to the left to Max Hollins. Other than that, Flores said, "Run it, keep running it. They can't stop us. So let's do it." And there's nothing wrong with that. And that was uh, that was cool to see. Miami nine and five Patriots out of the playoffs. One more damn okay. Yeah. We go to Baltimore, and you're focusing on the defense. Okay. Well, yeah, Baltimore. I mean, hey, the, the revenge for Yannick Ngakwe, that was amazing. Okay. Two um, sacks against his old team. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, uh, uh, that was cool. A lot of that came when the game was out of hand. The thing I take away from the game anymore, like, hey, it's awesome that Yannick has got revenge on his old team, made some, you know, big plays. He's – been one of the best defensive players on that Ravens defense the last few weeks. He's one of the few guys that pops on the defensive line. But I'll tell you, I was, I, if I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see what I saw in Baltimore's offense too. You know that that to me was exciting. The way Lamar threw the football and 
Hollywood Brown, you know, he's the, the big topic. At least they're putting him in positions to get the ball now. You know, it's three or four weeks in a row where at least now they're putting him in the slot. I feel like they're making the number one read on a lot of the plays instead of way before where I feel like they were just, hey, you're here and maybe you get the ball and maybe you're the first read or not. They've made it a focal point. Mm. And that, I think, has helped jumpstart their passing game just a little bit here, and that looked pretty good yesterday. I'm going to say this one time. I'm not going to say it twice this time. Okay. okay. I'm not going to run Burgundy yet. I'm not going to give you fodder for some kind of good fellows <laughs> open here. All right, Pete, time to take it up to 100, presented by Head and Shoulders. One time. Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley. Not a bad combination. Diggs, 11 catches, a buck 47. Beasley, 8 for 112. Woo! I mean, and what's awesome about them, you know, one, they both can do a lot of the slot over the middle, like awesome route running stuff, okay? And that's where Beasley mostly lives. Diggs is a special animal, and I say that with all due respect as in like a special animal because he's, he's you know, just can do it any way he wants. Double moves, straight speed, 50-50 balls. I mean, Stefan Diggs, one of those guys where if you saw him in person, you'd go, wait, he's not real big. Is this right. really one of the best receivers in football? But plays big, unreal route runner, unreal speed. The offense suits them, of course. You know, and Cole Beasley's got his little Julian Edelman niche in that offense, and it's the perfect combination. It really is. And then, you know, the guy throwing him the football. Josh Allen, pretty good. He's pretty damn good. Like, it, it's, good. it's, hey, listen, 2020 football, Josh Allen has entered the stratosphere of Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. I know he isn't in totality in their level. Where'd you have him in, in your midseason? I made him, I made him. Five. Was he five? I made him, wait, four or five? Yeah, I made him five because I made Russell Wilson three. Who was four? I made Kyler four. He had just had the Hale Murray game. That's right. So I went, you know. You were riding the emotion. He won. I'll give him that. Yeah. He hadn't, Murray hadn't hit the lull that he hit the last few weeks yeah. then. So I went, I'm going to go with Murray. But, yeah, I mean, since then, I think you'd have to say. Your Murray pick looks pretty good after yesterday. Well, yeah, it helped me out a little bit. It did. <laughs> well, but that just shows you how much can change in a five- or six-week right? span. That's true. You know, it's the damn NFL. It's, it's not easy. But Allen and the Bills, watch out for them. Right. I mean, it's official. The way they're playing on that side of the ball, with Diggs and Beasley being the main targets, man, short passing game, Beasley. You know, intermediate to deep stuff, whoa, there's Diggs. Can you stop that? Their defense playing better. They got a quarterback who can carry the team if they need be mm-hmm. or make a play in a must-make-a-play must, you know, must situation. And I'll remind everybody of this. This Denver defense was the same defense that Mahomes and Kansas City couldn't get in the end zone against a few 19. weeks ago. Yeah. Right. Josh Allen got in four times, Yeah, twice with his legs, twice with his arm. Isn't he just, like, wearing it too, wearing the record, wearing his stats, like – you look at Buffalo's record, oh, that's awfully good. You look at his numbers, oh, that's good. He, is, he, he carries himself that way. He does. He has that kind he's of He's got the feel. aura right now, right? Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. He's, he's gotten – I really feel the loss of the Titans and the Chiefs made the Bills grow up as a football team. Like, yeah. whoa, wait, they are on another level than us. Intensity, detail, all that. And I think he's grown up from that experience to know where he's got to get to to be in an AFC championship game or anything like that. But I think, like, to your point, he's playing with a confidence yeah. to where you just you can see it in him, where you just go, it's a big play. You're almost yeah. like Mahomes now where you go, he's going to make it. Somehow, some way, he's going to make the play. Got to, and thinking about that, got to be honest, so I'm, I'm, I'm calling the Notre Dame game on, on Saturday, and this game has happened at the same time. Right. Denver and Buffalo is going on. Right. 
every chance where there was like a little break, let's pause 10 seconds for station identification. If, if Buffalo's offense is on the field, I was I was looking up to watch Josh Allen yeah. for as many seconds as I could. And Joe Theismann was beating me to the punch every time. Joe was watching every time he knew that Josh was on the field playing and Notre Dame wasn't going on. Right. Both of us were, were like watching. Well, because he knows He's talent. got this. I wonder what this guy might do. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's still a little raw. And like I said, it's not Mahomes or Rodgers yet. No, no, but it's – But it's Sam getting close to it. It's To where good. we're going, whoa, I need to watch. Like, that. that's it. And I, listen, I put out a little tweet during the game the other night, like, that I think Josh Allen has entered their stratosphere. Yeah. You know, and I got a lot of positive feedback. I had a few people who were, like, way too hard, like, shut the fuck up. And I went, like, dude, we're talking football. Calm down. I yeah. literally sent that tweet out. Like, <laughs> relax. And, and then I had somebody else go – Who's he beaten this year? And I went like, what? It's, uh, who has a better resume of who they've beaten? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's beat the Seahawks, the Patriots, the Raiders, the Rams, the Dolphins. Oh, the Steelers. Oh, oh yeah, them too. I mean, it, it speaks for itself. I, I just get over it. He's good. I want to make one last comment on the fit, too, of Diggs and Beasley and how well that's working. Yeah. These are the same two guys that were nice players on their former teams, but they fit what they're doing in exactly. this new offense so well. They fit together so well. Uh, Diggs already has the franchise record, 111 catches a season. Beasley, a career-high 950 yards, 931 from the slot, leads the NFL. He's, he's special, and it, the, to your point, it is. It's, it's that. You just said it. They got into a place who knows how to utilize what they really are as a football player. Mm-hmm. Dallas's offense, when Cole Beasley was there, they've never been famous for using slot receivers. I, There's never really been a great one. They didn't know how to use him. Diggs... You know, Minnesota up there, we know what they were doing. Had his moments. Yeah, they had his moments, but it's not as a wide-open, route-running type offense Uh as he's in right now. They're running, you know, the Brady 2014-2015 New England Patriots offense right now. And Diggs fits in that very nicely. Thinking about the receiver combos, pop quiz here. Yeah. It's not full-fledged QB Jeopardy, but we're just sneaking a little one in here. The last time the Bills had two 1,000-yard receivers in the same season, 2002. Ooh. Name them. Wait, 2002? 2002. They had a pair of 1,000-yard receivers with Drew Bledsoe. So Is Peerless Price one of them? Over the place. Peerless Price. Peerless Price. Pete's even more surprised than I am that you got that and one. Up yours, Pete. Pete's yelling louder than his kids in the background. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Pete, okay, I, so was, I was being recruited by Tennessee when Peerless Price was at Tennessee. Oh, so, of course, I know who Peerless he is. Peerless Price. He caught passes right. from, from Peyton, Peyton Manning and T. Martin. Martin. Right. Yeah. All right. And then the other one. Hold really on. good, solid pro. Had a bunch of good years. Is this the kid from Wisconsin? It's not Lee no. Evans. No. Okay. It's not Lee it's not Evans. Lee Evans. It's not. Um, is Eric Mole? No, it's not Eric Moulds. Is Eric Moulds? I didn't say it wasn't Eric Moulds. It's Eric Moulds. It's Eric Moulds. It is Eric Moulds. Way to go. Way to go. Yeah, two for two. Told you, historian. Yeah, I know. Historian. Yeah. (laughs) So he he was uh, how much older? Eric Moulds was how much older than Chris? Yeah. Three years before you. Or three years before Peerless? Okay. He had a lot of good years. He did. He had a lot of good years. He was like kind of one of the start of like those guys that came in the NFL at receiver where you're like, He's like big, he's big physical, yeah. like almost like a bruising between the tackles running back. Went, did he go to Houston at the end of his career? I remember doing a story. I know. That, I can't think of where Molds right? went either. Yeah, I can't remember I how it all went Houston. down. Yeah, Southern Miss in college. But this is, uh, this is okay. definitely, yes, the best tandem they've had up there yes. in a long time. There's no doubt about that. That was a good session for Buffalo receivers here yeah. and now. And once again, I'm going to say it one time. Pete, you ready? That was take it up to 100. What up? Presented by Head & Shoulders, available at Walmart. It is time. 
It's that time on Monday to self-scout thyself. Where are we going? Where is Pete trying to embarrass me today? <laughs> we are going to the NFC South. Falcons, when holding a lead against Tom Brady, uh, not so good. They're up 17-0 at halftime. Yeah. They're up 24-7 halfway through the third. Right. Uh, Buccaneers come back and win 31-27. I know you spent a lot of time watching this this morning on Brady's comeback there, second half. Yeah. I watched it as well. What'd you think? Well, first off, I think that my first thing more than anything would be like Tom Brady throwing the football was amazing. Second half. Mm. I mean, was amazing. The ball coming out of his hand, laser beams, perfect spirals. I mean, 50-yard throws that are eight feet off the ground. What was up with that, you think? I mean, I, I mean. Why do you do that? Well, like, do you mean the one, to, like Antonio Brown, that yeah, one? Yeah, eventual game-winning touchdown right. pass to Antonio Brown right. where it was, I mean, he had man, he was, ran by him. But instead of, you know, throwing, throwing it high and lofting it, he drove it. He which drove is so it. It's so hard for a quarterback to put it in the right spot 50 yards downfield. And you know what else he did on that play? You know what else happened on that play? They kept the tight end in the block. Oh, yeah, wow. right. Yeah. You know, all right, so here's just a brief overview because I want to answer that. Yeah. Early in the game, hey, listen, the, the Falcons were doing some cool stuff on defense. Pressure was getting to Brady, they weren't blocking well up front. I think that the Buccaneers early on were had too many passes where it was a little too long developing down the field. That allowed the pressure and the blitz to get to Brady a few times. Second half, there was the, the big difference to me was they came out and it was keep a tight end in the block, which they did a little in the first half. I don't want to take away from that. You know, they had one good drive in the first half that got thrown off by like some penalties and a sack. But they came out. Six- and seven-man pass pros. They did their play-action pass stuff, and the first few of them, as compared to the first half, they were quicker-hitting ones, where it's, hey, play-action, come up, boom, hit it. In the first half, it was play-action, wait, I'm going to wait, I'm going to wait, and then he was getting hit or nobody was, you know, not, not enough time to make it happen. You know what else he was doing? Right. Those passes were over the middle. They, they were between the hashes. You know, the first half, they weren't really They were not. Out. They tried to work some of the corner yeah. routes and things like that. It, exactly right. So I think they, they got to that where they got, wait, they're sending some pressure up the middle and a five-man rush and all that. Let's, let's do the play action. Let's get guys over the middle. Let's get the ball out of Brady's hands quickly. You know, then in the drop-back pass game, I feel like that's the other thing they did. Just when it was a drop-back pass, they just said, we're going to get it out quick. And then slowly but surely, just like we see in a lot of games, the pass rush starts to lose its intensity a little bit and all those type of things. But the big thing to me, I mean, whether it's the big Mike Evans throw on the first drive that got them down to the one-yard line, Mm -hmm. I mean, that was, again, that was max protect. Gronk stayed in. Antonio Brown ran an out and up on the left sideline. They ran a go. And... And, and on the right, and, and Mike Evans ran the bender on the inside of the slot. And Brady threw a freaking laser. I'm telling you, that's as good as I've seen Brady throw it. I mean, he's been throwing it good all year. But that's he, was, as, he was on. That was on. Yeah. I mean, man, the Falcons, if you don't know who your daddy is, you know now. That's for sure. Because <laughs> that it really was. It was amazing. And I'm just amazing with what he can do at this age. But I think that was the big takeaway from first half to second half. Yes. Was play action. Six and seven pass pros, play actions was quicker, uh, quicker concepts. And then some of the drop back stuff when they had to, they got the ball out of their hands quickly too. Um, and then he made a few plays too. I mean, it was 24-7. He made that little scramble play to the right and threw the ball down to it's Mike Evans. See, right? I mean, yeah. come on. Yeah. I mean, come on. This guy's 43 and doing that. I mean, that, that's just amazing. And then now let's get to your bomb to Antonio yes. Brown. Yeah. Right? Because – 
Let's it was take- similar to the Mike Evans play that we just talked about down the middle. Okay. Right? It's, but now it's tight end in, Gronk blocking. And, and, they, and they had the – Two uh, receivers to his left now. Correct. And right? The, and the receiver on the outside came in short motion, which told Brady – he got really excited. He knew he got hey, some man, man. Right, exactly right. And, and Antonio Brown had a safety on So, him. right. And then they kind of like – the guy comes in motion. He ran the inside bender. Yes. And now Antonio gets to run just the, the clear out go. Yeah. And I don't know if Brady saw it. You're going to blow your ear out there. Can you hear that over there? I did. I heard that. I mean, your ear might be blown out. Um, but Playing hurt. I don't know if Brady – so he's got the pass protection. I don't know if he kind of looked somewhere else first and then saw it late. I think he saw, I think he saw with the motion. That he had the coverage. Yeah. Right. You think he, he looked somewhere else first? I think, yeah. I thought maybe he kind of had looked down the middle to his rightish a little. Maybe he was just looking a safety off. I don't yeah. know. But either way, I think he got back and he was like, whoa, he's farther downfield than I thought. And he, I think he saw, like, I can't throw it up in the air. It's going to be out of the end zone. So he had to kind of drive the football. And he yeah. threw, like, a 50-yard ball. That is so that difficult was, to do. I mean, not only to throw yeah. it that far on the line, but to drop it in there. I know. You, you have zero Zero room for, for error. error. No, that's why you throw deep balls high, right? Because Incredible. it gives you yeah. a lot of room for error. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, again, I don't know. You know, listen, here, you look at the play just real quick as we sit here, right? So for everybody who can't see us, just hanging out here. But there it's, you go. We're, we're, we're watching Underneath the, play. the center. Okay. Tight end to the left. There so he is. Six he's staying in. in. Six man to the So I don't You know, you're right. He just He looks like he's just token looking off the safety to the right. And then comes back, and I think he's just a little surprised at how far he's down the field. And I think he just went like, "Oh man, I got to get this out there in a hurry." So he and he, he just, just went, he it. gave it the and got it down there through the go route like you would throw a twenty-yard seam exactly to the tight end. That's what he did. And I want to tie this in to, yeah. to one of the deep balls we saw him throw last week. Right. He didn't have to. I mean, his numbers weren't great last week, but when they beat the Vikings, he had that really long post route, the up and the over Scotty the Scotty Miller one. That was perfect. Right. We've always talked about Brady, even at this age, being such a good deep ball thrower. His range of how he delivered those deep balls in the last two weeks, the classic post route last week, and then this non-traditional drive downfield, I think two really good examples of how gifted he is at the deep ball and getting it there in different ways. Gift, all-time gifted arm. I know I'm Still, Tom Brady, the Tom Brady hater of the world, right? But it's an all-time gifted arm. Yeah. It's all-time. I mean, it is a special, special arm. It's all me and my dad talked about through the mid-2000s. Brady throwing the ball. Yeah, I know Brett Favre was awesome and all that stuff too. But, man, Brady could arguably throw the ball almost as hard as Brett Favre in his prime. It just doesn't look the same with the, and, you know, he doesn't have the Patrick Mahomes flair to it. He does a little more of a smoother, efficient way. And TV doesn't do justice to how great his arm is. Right. It's great. And, you know, just the last thing with them is it just shows you, you know, again, if you just make him feel comfortable, just make him feel comfortable. I don't know, whatever that is, whatever that is, to make him feel like he's not going to get hit and he has time to throw it, he can throw it as good and dice up anybody as good as anybody in football right now. Right. It's all about protecting him. You know, that, the thing right now with teams is they're blitzing Brady, and especially even they're in the shotgun. They are coming after him because I think that there's one flaw in his game. Is of course, he's old. He can't move the same way. And he doesn't want to be hit, which is understandable. Nobody does, especially not when you're 43. Mm. But when they do six-man pass pro, the play action gets going, 
Man, he throws as good as there as anybody in the game. Oh, Buccaneers that bye week changed them. I mean, they, they weren't playing very well. They've won two games in a row now. Yep. Nine and five, uh, looking good for the postseason. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. There's no place like the movie theater. The smell of fresh popcorn welcomes you to a full body experience while candies and sodas compete for your attention. Hoping to join you in the best seats you've reserved on Fandango. It's where movie lovers buy tickets, pick seats, and double up on rewards points all online. All that's left is to walk in, snack up, and sit back. Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics, this summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. Okay, self-scout thyself. This is unfortunate for Lions cornerback Alex Myers. Titans beat the Lions 46-25, but that, that highlight of the low light where Derrick Henry just threw him, I mean, wrong place, wrong time. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> good, good luck. I don't know. What are you going to do? Any of us can go out there and try to do that. We'd look worse than that. I could tell you <laughs> that. Yeah, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Yeah, you're tr- trying to chase a guy that's one of the freakiest guys in football. You're worried he's going to outrun you to the edge because even though he's big and powerful, he's faster than you. Yeah. So now you're running him down like a madman because you're trying to chase him down. And Henry sized him up. Like and he, 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 right. Grohoff, right he knew he had it. Yeah. He was like, oh, I got this guy working way too hard trying to tackle me. <laughs> he kind of slowed down. He slowed down and right gathered like his body. Dunk. He did, yeah, yeah. right? He was like he was gathering up his right jab. Like, Harry, hold on, just stay still. Ugh. And just smashed him. Uh, it wasn't as good as the Josh Norman one, but still damn good. Hey, Derrick Henry, 2,000 yards. He's yeah. 321 away. I know. And he's got, games left. he's got the Packers run defense this week, which is nothing special. Yeah. And then last week of the year is, I can't remember who it is. Who does Tennessee It's have? not a good defense. I'll, I'll pull it up right now because I got it for you. It's the Houston Texans. It's on the screen right there. Pete's like, read the screen, man. Oh, duh. At Houston, they allow 150 rushing yards per game. Wow. Yes. I, w- hey. I wonder if he's contractually incentivized like 2,000 yards. I think he is. I think he got something right? with his last deal. That there was something about that. Hope but, so. I mean, he's just a special football player. And, you know, they're a special offense. It says right here they've scored one more point than the Chiefs. Well, I mean, I've seen, you know, his math. Like, you know, you're talking about Pete's math. Pete's math this is, is Pete's really math. questionable. I'm going to go with NFL Jesus over Pete. Where did Pete go to school? Pete, where would you go to college? You know, I'm going to go with them. Boston College. Boston College? Well, I, you know, I knew a lot of Boston College kids. Some were smart, some were stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I got a whole list of them. I'm from New Jersey. Like, every other kid goes to Boston College from New Jersey. <laughs> All right? Uh, NFL Jesus, it says Chiefs at 31-1. Who's NFL Jesus? G-S-I-S. 
It's oh. NFL GS, which is Game Stats Information Site. Okay. But, you know. I thought it was somebody's handle. No, we call, them, we call it Jesus, right? No okay. disrespect to the real one. Oh, especially yes. this time of year. Yes, definitely not. <laughs> Don't want to piss them off now. You're on the naughty list. Right? Okay. Um, all right. I think we – oh, but oh, the Titans. The, the Titans, though, you know, again, another team plays through the run, but just – it's amazing to me how explosive they are in the pass game. Yeah. And, you know, I'll say it – said it before, say it again, Tannehill – Deep ball throws, he just doesn't miss. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. You know, the deep throw to Corey Davis in that moment of the football game, you know, uh, that. But, you know, that, that's where they're sneaky, one of the most dangerous offenses in football. They you think really Buffalo's are. more dangerous than Kansas City, though? <sighs> yes. I, I think I still will say that. We can revisit more. I know. It's a tough weeks. one. It's a tough one. Hmm. Both, both damn good. They're both damn good. It depends on the defense who's playing them and who matches up with them. Yeah. But, you know, the, the interesting with the Titans is if they can't run the ball, they can beat you passing the ball. Mm-hmm. It's, not like, it's not like some of the other great running teams where we go, oh, like, you know, maybe the Rams or somebody where you go, if they don't run the ball, I'm not sure about their passing game. I don't have that question with the Tennessee Titans. Right. Okay, Rams – Rams lose. Rams, Rams lose. lose to the Jets. Yes. Okay? Yeah. I haven't said anybody's lost to the Jets all season. 23-20. Jets come up with their first win. So, let's stay positive with them to start here. Sam Darnold going home to Southern California, getting a win. And uh, Jets defense, not bad again. Jets defense, yeah. I mean, we've said that a lot through the year, right? I feel like. Right? The Jets defense is they're, – they're no cupcake. That's for sure. You know, first off, like to Sam Darnold, just to answer that part. You know, I didn't study that side of the ball as much, but I watched this game pretty closely on TV yesterday. Two things that really were awesome for him. One, well, three things. One, great for him going back to L.A., winning mm-hmm. a game there. Yep. Cool for him. Um, his quick release and his movement in the pocket were big in this football game because it wasn't like the pass protection was just scotch-free all day and he was just sitting back there, you know, baking cakes and doing whatever. You know, his, his quick release and his ability just to bounce and move and do all that stuff got him out of a number of trouble situations where Rams usually get sacks and those mm-hmm. type of things. Um, but they took advantage of opportunities. They were patient with the run game. And they just made a few pass plays on offense to put some points on the board. But the story is the defense. Yeah. The story is really the two guys in the middle. You know, Nathan Shepard, 97, and Quinnen Williams, before he got hurt, they kicked the shit out of the Rams in the middle of that defense. Then there's the other aspect. It's the same thing we always talk about. I'm sorry to sound like a broken record. Talking about the Rams offense? Yes. Yeah. If they can't run the ball and bootlegs aren't there, they can't do anything. You know, their drop back pass game is underwhelming schematically, and they have a quarterback who, I, I don't know what, you know, just is not that special as a passer. He's not. He's had a run here recently that, that definitely speaks to that. I mean, it's not like one or two games. No, it's a number of games. They've had a lot of average pedestrian games. Yes. Yeah. You know, I, I think, you know, it's, it's he's towards the bottom of the league in throwing the football, mm-hmm. just purely throwing the football. Accuracy, different varieties of throws, the, catch, the, 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 the ability to throw a catchable ball. You know, they have a few drops every game, and I go, yeah, yeah, the receiver should have caught that. But he throws one of the most uncatchable balls in football. Mm. It's a knuckler. It never spirals or spins. It just kind of wobbles through. He had a few throws on TV yesterday where I was like, 
Man, that's an NFL quarterback. He just threw a ball that looks like that. How about the top two picks of that draft right now? I, well, I know. It's not looking good. Yeah. That's for sure. You're right. Wentz and Goff, Strugglesville, big time. But that's what concerns me about the Rams. I mean, it's the same thing almost every time we talk about the Rams losing a football game. It is. And I, I don't – I am trying – listen, I'd love to tell you a different message or come up with something else different to say. But, you know, I, I think ultimately, yeah, I just mentioned, you know, his ability to dice you apart with throws, make big-time throws, you know, make plays off schedule – those are they're all towards the bottom of football, at least in my evaluations. Um, and th- that's where they struggle in those type of games when teams take that away from them. I want to get it back to Sam Darnold in the sense that this this win that they earned uh, and let's throw up another Steve Kornacki full screen here who was with us again last night in the studio. So now the Jets they had firm control of that number one pick. Now they're back to 32 percent likelihood of getting the first pick because Jacksonville yeah now it's 68 percent and we have to assume that'll be Trevor Lawrence well definitely Trevor Lawrence is going number one there's no doubt um I, I listen I know that people are mad up here in New York that the Jets won I don't know, maybe that's why you fire a head coach a few weeks ago maybe that's why you do it so then you don't have a head coach trying to win a game down the stretch I don't know but what do you expect them to do right nobody on the Jets is going to like fold the tents Adam Gase even though he'll probably never be a head coach ever again in his life, he doesn't want 0-16 on his – and he's not going to be there next year. So he doesn't give a shit about the draft pick. Right. He doesn't care. Right. And the and players – the players that will be there too. They, they're not sure if they're going to be there either. All they're going to do is go out and play. Right. That is so not a thing, tanking. It's I mean, maybe in another thing. league of a time. But Agree. Not right I now. mean, can you finagle it a little to maybe where your team is less than what you could really put out there? Sure. Oh, we're going to play young guys. We're going to do this. Okay, yeah, maybe you can finagle, but you're still not going to get those guys on the field to not play their best. You know, that's where you're right. It's football. It's free agency. Most guys on every team are not a guaranteed to be back on the team next year. There's only like four or five guys who go, I'm back no matter, no matter what next year. The rest of the guys are like fighting for their life on a weekly basis. And right. I think people forget that aspect of, of NFL football. Yeah, I don't, you know, with the Jets too, I don't, you know, I don't know. Is that a good thing for Sam Darnold or a bad thing that he won that game yesterday? Does that keep him in New York? <laughs> Does he want to He stay? Might, might not want to be in New York. I don't right. know. Also, what I'll say to the Jets, too, is yeah. this. The Jets fans. You can win with Sam Darnold. Mm. I know it's like uh, we haven't seen a lot. I wish he would have been healthy, too. I've seen enough on the field that I feel like you can win with Sam Darnold. If you give him some help and did some things. Do you have right? to swallow hard with that, or have you had that feeling? No, I feel, I feel pretty good about that. I do. I, I, I feel like I've seen enough good from him. I think if you put Sam Darnold with the Cleveland yeah. Browns, they're having sure. similar success that Baker Mayfield's having right now. Right. He's been in the crappiest position you can possibly be in. You know? And the, the other thing I was going to say is, you know, with the team in their own division, the Dolphins, you've know, you got to be careful about letting fan bases run the organization. You know, I, I, I sometimes this year have thought about the Dolphins and went, what if they didn't let the fans run Ryan Tannehill out of town? Right. And they actually said, wait, we believe in them. We, we, the fans who know nothing, maybe we shouldn't listen to them. And then what could you have used that pick that you picked Tua with this year? Right. You know, you could have got another maybe two big-time players traded down. Who knows? And thinking you know? about Tua, that this draft isn't like last year where after Joe Burrow right. goes off, they're like, oh, Herbert and Tua are there. Right. I, after Trevor Lawrence, is there another one that you that you? No, think is I mean awesome? I think it's the no, not not to that cl- class. No. Last year I knew with Burrow that Herbert was right, right nipping at his heels. This year I like the Ohio State kid. 
Uh, and again, I haven't studied them, but right. I'm not sold on them. Like, like last year, halfway through the year, I was like, oh, Herbert and Burrow are the two guys. Like, I, I felt confident of that. I don't feel necessarily confident with the, just saying that right away with Fields yet. Right. Okay. Well, well, a lot more of that coming. Yeah, there's a lot more. In the next three or four months. Definitely. Seahawks defense also make the list. They, they, they beat the Washington football team 20-15. to 15. Uh, What a turnaround. I mean, I don't know how many weeks ago, six, seven, eight weeks ago, we're begging the Seahawks defense just to be average. Yeah. They've been beyond that recently. Way beyond that. They, they've, I mean, in, improved their standing as a football team in my eyes as far as where they can go. You really take it away of, after that – you know, Rams loss, which they didn't play bad in that football game. It's been good defense ever since. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm really you almost look at the Buffalo Bills game where Josh Allen and them tore them up. It's been good ever since. Right. It really has. So that's exciting. You know, the offensive side of the ball, little underwhelming. But that Washington defense, as we know, is real. No sack. No sack, right? Ran the ball with some success. Mm-hmm. You know, I still like to see them do more in the pass game. You know, they need to find more cheap ways to get DK Metcalf the ball. Um, and 20 to 15 is disheartening because they were so close to really controlling the football game. I mean, Russell Wilson's interception, that was a big moment. Right. It was 20 to 9, and they were moving the ball. They were right on the cusp of field goal range. He probably could have ran for seven or eight yards, and he tried to kind of throw a ball by, I think it was Jonathan Bostic out in the flat, tried to throw it behind him, and he got his hand on it, got tipped in the air, an interception, and that made it an incredibly tight football game from there on out. Pete and I have a little addition here to yeah. this as well. All the Washington fans who ripped you for ranking Haskins number 39 in the top 40. Right. Maybe time to, to self-scout themselves there. Or yeah, well, yes, but you know what? Game, but. I, you know, and again, I don't, I don't, like, I don't care either way. Dwayne Haskins, a little rough at the start. I, I was encouraged by what I saw overall yesterday. Mm. As the game went on, he made some throws and scrambled and moved. He's lost weight. He looked better that way. You know, he had the bad interception. It was 6-0. to zero. It was late in the second quarter, and he ran to his right, and he tried to fit a ball downfield, down the middle of the field, and that got knocked in the air, intercepted. And that led to Russell Wilson breaking a big run and then scoring a touchdown right before half to go up 13-0. Uh, or made it, you know, then 13-3 at halftime. But that was a big moment in the football game. Haskins almost did it the right way. You know, he just just got to learn. He's got to play a little bit you more. You give him a passing grade for yesterday. I give him a passing grade. He hasn't played a lot of football. He's still raw, and he was just sitting on the bench for a long, long time, and he got thrusted in there against the Seattle Seahawks. Not easy. This week, rein it in, big guy. You know, play it ultra conservative. Because, they, as you can see, they can almost win every game with their defense. Moving on to Give Me the Headlines, presented by Hyundai. Again, read only one time, if you're keeping track at home. Man, you're on fire today. Cowboys beat the Niners 41-33. I miss the 90s. Those those are some games, right? Those are some good old days. You wanted Ellis 49ers and Cowboys. I I wanted Troy and Steve Young. (laughs) I didn't want Andy Dalton and Nick Mullins. You know, I'm sitting there yesterday, and the opening of the game, they're going – this is the first time the 49ers and Cowboys have been on CBS since that's 1993 NFC Championship game. It's always a Fox game. Right, right. right. Yeah. And I just thought, oh, that's funny. And then if you're sitting there, I go, well, this ain't the 1993 NFC Championship game. I'll tell you that. Those were some games oh, back then. Oh, those were games. It was yeah. a Super Bowl, really. That right. was the Super Bowl. Forget the Super Bowl. We knew the NFC was going to win at that point. Um, but, yeah, I mean, 
What else? Do I, you know what I want to say about this game. I mean, yes, it was great to see the Cowboys do what they do. All right? And Tony Pollard, you see, he's got some legit talent running the football. He was nominated for Damn Okay here by – I want you to read that one yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. Damn okay for Tony Pollard. First career start and played a great game. Love the show. From Brazil. And that's from? Leo Sangiorgi. Sangiorgi? I didn't know if it was a hard G or not. I'm not sure either. Yeah. <laughs> but either way, uh, yeah, that, that was cool. Pa- Pollard's got talent. He does. I mean, he's a nice little one-two punch with Zeke there all the way. But the, the thing I'm frustrated with, yeah, because I'm a biased. I favor the 49ers because of Kyle Shanahan. Man, Nick, I just Nick Mullins drives me crazy. Drives me crazy. <laughs> if the game's not competitive and they're up by 10 or down by 10, he's great. But as soon as the game gets competitive again, I can promise you he's going to make the biggest mistake possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, C.J. Beathard came in late, but Cowboys not out of it. Definitely not. Made some plays with their defense, set some short fields early on, and, and took advantage and held on to the lead. Colts beat the Texans 27-20. to 20. Who's your daddy? <laughs> Who's your H-O-O-S-I-E-R. Because it was in the Hoosier state, as in Indiana. I got it. Where That's the Colts good. are 16-3 and three against yeah. the Texans now. Pete gave me that stat, stat actually. 16-3. and 16-3. and three. Colts at home versus the Texans. Wow. Yeah. So they're, they're dominating that part of the uh, little rivalry there. Fun game to watch. I mean, Colts. Colts are playing. Colts are playing. I still have concerns a little here and there. I mean, there's things I like. They have double-digit wins, right? They have double-digit wins. It's hard to complain about that. Yeah. Um, I think the thing that's been bothering me a little, their defense a little the last few weeks. You know, they were so dominant in the first half of the year. And, you know, lately you've been getting up a lot of plays. Deshaun Watson has certainly made a lot of plays on them the last few weeks. And, you know, the thing I worry about with the Colts, a little bit like the Steelers where – as the game goes on, their front four gets tired, and they can't cover on the back end. Mm. I don't know if they can play man-to-man, and that's what worries me about them. See, so what happened yesterday is Watson, after the initial just craziness of the defense, he starts to settle in, and okay, the defense starts to wear out just a little bit, and then there he can buy time and make plays or make one guy miss just to let somebody get open downfield, and he dices you up like that. Right. Uh, it's just where he's special. I mean, Deshaun Watson's awesome. Deshaun Watson is the perfect example to show you that it's not all about the quarterback. He's doing everything he can to win the football games. He just can't do it all. Goodbye. It's goodbye time. Goodbye time. It's goodbye. Happy holidays. Look at you. Were you surprised? Did you just read that? Look at that. I'm looking down like it's goodbye <laughs> in all caps. I'm Paul Burmeister. In all caps. All caps. There was no question mark at the end of this. <laughs> I, I did not include that. Before we go, yeah. Monday night, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati. What do you think? Drubbing. I mean, button will be. Third string quarterback. Like the bang, Pittsburgh will probably play conservative on offense to where it won't be like a blowout that way because they're going to realize, wait, we don't think the Bengals can move the ball on our defense, so I don't think you're going to see Big Ben take a whole lot of chances or do anything like that. Mm. I just think they're slowly just going to beat them into submission. That's where I really think <laughs> it's going to watch the whole thing. Uh, definitely, I have yeah. to. But yeah, I think it's like a 27 to six, 27 to nine type of game. Ugly. I'd say yeah, right. Kind of like, get, like last night's game. It could be like last night's game. Right. Right. Exactly. Are, are you done with your holiday gifting? You have everybody covered? I, I do. I do. We do elves in our house. Elves where we like just draw a name and I just have to get a gift for one person. What? Yeah. Yeah. So, for the whole family. I mean, my kids. Who'd you draw? Um, I'm not. Well, my Aunt Wendy. She won't watch the podcast. <laughs> my Aunt Wendy. 
<laughs> what do you get, Aunt Wendy? Uh, well, she puts things on this Elf app about what she is on her Christmas wish list. And I'm afraid she's going to see this clip, and I don't want to tell you. But I got her a good gift. She watches. She's, she loves... She loves her, so her did, godson. Did you actually go shop or like go, go No, offline. Yeah, online. Online, right. Yeah. I mean, I got the wife to help me, too. I can't lie. The wife, we got, yeah, we got, we got the, wife. the wife. The wife takes care of a lot of stuff for me, as you could tell. Yeah. She does a lot of the heavy lifting for Christmas. Yeah. It's unfortunate, but. It's actually fortunate. It is fortunate. It's all right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. She, okay. She does it all. Well, happy holidays. Thank you. You too. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to everybody out there. Know what the fuck happened podcast coming Wednesday this week, okay? Because it's a weird week with Christmas Eve and Christmas being Thursday, Friday. Mm -hmm. So on Wednesday, that is when Florio and I will do our, you know, joint pick collaboration. We have been so bad with best bets and stuff lately. Both of you. Oh, it's horrible. Really? I am in shitsville. You know who you should have on as a guest picker? Yeah. Aunt Wendy. <laughs> She'd probably pick him just as well. I, I just can't pick the best bets. Yeah. I just can't do it. I thought you were doing well with that. I was. That was five weeks ago probably when you asked me. Really? it's been crappy ever since. I picked the game straight up pretty good. Yeah. Everything else is not good. Not so, so much. tune in for that on Wednesday. Listen to the information. Don't go with my best bet. Save your money. All right? Peace out. Happy holidays Peace to everybody out there. Be good. Enjoy the Monday night football game. We'll see you on Wednesday for Chris Sims Unbuttoned, presented by Verizon. A whole week? The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.